Oh man, so you're so what? Since we're actually going to start for the fifth time in a row now, and we're going to welcome everybody back, but um, Jim, you're a little out of practice there, buddy. What What do you want me to say? Uh, I don't know. How about some excuses as to why we were gone for like five months? So you don't want me to say, welcome to show 28! Oh, see, that's better. Yeah, let's use that one. That sounds good. Now we can make excuses why we were gone for five months. Kind of scraping the bottom of the barrel, but uh, it'll get the job done. Get her done. Yeah. Actually, you know, it's uh, it's good to be back, but I, I think everyone knows by now, um, Mark and I, our, our dad got uh, very sick in uh, September and October, and he was diagnosed with uh, lung cancer, and it ended up being a very fast and aggressive one. Um, and because of his age, uh, he was 82 years old, he um, opted for, uh, he wasn't a candidate for traditional um, battles for cancer as far as chemo or, or uh, surgery or anything, so he opted for hospice care at home. And Mark and I took a few weeks off from work so that uh, we were there every day with him right up until uh, December 13th at uh, 1.55 in the morning when he passed away to go be with God. So um, we miss being here. Uh, we miss making fun of Brent. I really miss <laughs> making fun of Mark. Thanks. But even in front of my dad, <clears throat> I informed uh, my dad several times about uh, the particular traits of his son, Mark, and... Uh, he whispered to me that he knew all this time, but he just tried to, you know, ignore it. Um, but anyway, that's why we were gone. We were taking care of my dad, and uh, that's good. My mom needed a lot of help, and uh, and I beg to differ with you, Jim. But you know, me and Dad had our own little talks, and to show you where where his priorities were, he handed me an envelope, or he told me where it was. It was about a week before he died. He said he wanted to make sure everyone was covered with Christmas, and he said in my sock drawer in the corner, there's an envelope with a bunch of money. I want you to distribute it to everybody for Christmas. And so I looked in there, and it was like, oh, my God, almost three grand in $100 bills, and he told me to take it. And a few days later, Jim was there with him, and he goes, Jim. Jim goes, yeah, Dad? He goes, over in the corner next to the dresser, I want you to have it. He goes, well, what, Dad? He goes, there's a jar of pennies. <laughs> oh. Yeah, it's real funny, Mark. Yeah, so I, I think it goes to show you. Uh, okay, speak no more. <laughs> yeah, it's real funny. Uh, I will yeah, say, Mark, yeah, it's good to be back. It's great to be back. We got emails from uh, people saying that they missed us, and so hopefully we'll get back on track with a regular show. Thanks for your emails and your support. And Dude, I didn't know anyone emails, was listening. That's the only reason why I've been unprofessional all this time. One well, of the emails actually said they love it when we ad lib and, uh, you know, shoot off the, the hip and told Brent that he needs to lighten up. Yeah. And then the 10 others said the exact opposite. So I guess we can keep everybody happy. Oh, with you must have show. kept those letters and pinned them up on your wall. Cause Mark doesn't even know what ad lib means. Anytime somebody says something nice about me, I have to make it some kind of a spectacle. <laughs> Hey, real, real quickly, guys, uh, along the lines of your dad, he was an awesome man, I thought, and, uh, for the time I had to, uh, I got to know him, and uh, I'm glad you guys were uh, able to have him for as long as you did. Uh, and that's speaking from a guy whose dad passed away when I was nine. So I just wanted to let you know that. Uh, he, he definitely had to be proud of both of you guys. You've done good in your lives, and uh, I'm sure he had no regrets. Thanks, well, bro. Other than Jim, he had yeah. no regrets. But, other uh, than thanks, Mark, uh, he had no regrets. Oh, well, at least it's mutual. <laughs> 
<laughs> he had a good anyway, sense of humor, like both hey. you guys did. That's where you got it from. Yeah. Anyway, we'll we'll get people up to speed here. Uh, for any new listeners, basically, uh, Jim's a sheriff's deputy. Brent's a reserve sheriff's deputy. I'm a police officer, city police officer, and Ed's a retired uh, city cop from where I used to or uh, he used to work where I work. And uh, Jim came and up uh, internal deputy. affairs is glad those two aren't together anymore. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, we had a lot. We had a lot of le- illegal fun together. I take my yeah. word. No idea what you're talking about. You say legal or illegal? Legal. You used to use the binoculars, and I'd do all the traffic stops. <laughs> we we had some fun times on. The yeah, street. we did. Anyway, um, Jim and I wrote a book on how people uh, keep themselves safe from crime, and uh, developed into a little website, and well, actually, a big website, CopTalk.info, and. Um, we came up with this radio show to have some fun and let people uh, come up with topics about what's going on and how people can keep themselves safe. And here we are. I'm that's glad the, that you that's mentioned the digest version. I'm glad that you mentioned I don't have anything to do with the book. That's good. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks, Mark. Good <laughs> looking out. Slap. Brent dick. put it together and did all the publishing. <laughs> My name's on it. I'll, I'll take no credit except right. for that. Jim and I wrote it, and Brent did oh. all the uh, publishing and and all the uh, techno stuff with it, put it all together for us. Ladies and gentlemen, what Brent is trying to say is that without him, there would not be a book, and I'm going to have to agree, although Mark's being a dick and just rambling on. <laughs> I'm telling you, Jim's loaded for bear, isn't he, coming in? <laughs> oh, yeah, that's all good right. stuff right there. So... All right, so do we, what do we want to do? We had a ton of questions come in from people. Uh, we could probably answer them for the next four shows, five shows, just the questions that we got when when we were off. So let's start we can, knocking them out. We can pile into that. We got four for today, and then I think Mark, you you did a quick article for the um, site about car burglaries, and I have a feeling they're back up again. Hey, so, can I give a can I give a quick shout out? Uh, sure. Hey, just to all the people in Southern California who rely on Northern California, California. Take two. <laughs> Your drinking water. I just want to apologize for the 20 cars that they pulled out of the aqueduct uh, in Tracy. We're, we didn't mean to have 20 cars rusting away in your drinking water, but uh, that is a problem being resolved. But uh, just yeah. Body parts, synthetic engine oil, all that kind yeah, of stuff. Yeah, you, you heard about the outcome of that today, right? No. No, what's the latest? They found him. They found the both kid? Of them? Yep, both of them. Oh. Well, they found the kid. They didn't find the guy yet. Wow. So those, I guess the, uh, for those, the sheriff was right the other day. For those in tune, not you know, with what's going on, you want to say a little about the case? Right. I, I, me? Well, I mean, other than what it started 14, 15 days ago now? Over a domestic... Uh, Domestic, where the kid was taken by the father, went to disapp- the father. Uh, well, boyfriend. Boyfriend. Uh, he obviously had some serious problems, as per the news and the people who have seen it. And then they they canceled the uh, Amber Alert today, and apparently the kid was found, and they're still waiting for the other guy to come up. So. I he guess. apparently drove his car into the uh, Delta Mendota Canal with a kid in the back shortly after he kidnapped it from the grandmother's arms. And um, 
and somebody actually saw, apparently saw the car go in there. A well, farm worker saw, but he didn't call the right. police till the next day. Well, I guess it's a really uh, rare occurrence out there since there was, what, 15 other cars in there? Oh, it's the very last rare. Last time they yes. drained it yeah. for maintenance, they found over 200 cars. And... <laughs> Could you imagine all the cases that oh. you would solve by draining the canal? Oh, oh, man. Where's my car? Oh, it's right there, dude. So it's a sad ending where some, you know, I don't know if we could say ass, but I'm going to say ass, whole, oh, um, kidnaps a little kid and and takes the kid with him. You know, if he wanted to kill himself, fine, go do it. But don't take out a little four-year-old kid. Um, in his yeah, life. that whole case was pathetic. And, and one of the guys at work had said, you know, <clears throat> as uh, callous as it sounds, it's almost a blessing in disguise. I mean, the, the mom interviewed on the news was just a friggin' piece of work, and the kid wasn't even in, in uh, her custody. And then right. the boyfriend, who, who she's hooked up with, is a friggin' tool and a half. And, uh, you know, the poor kid never had a chance. He's living with Grandma and, uh, and these wow. two idiots in life. And the girlfriend is pregnant with his kid. Yeah. And, and from what I kid. could tell, he had a small drinking problem. Anyway, go with the small brain. Yeah, he's. Let's, let's move on to happier thoughts. It's a sad ending to that, but it's a, again, you know, how our parolees and and people that uh, it's like a. I don't know why you got to be depressing people, bro. I was just talking about the water and making an apology, and you got to bring that stuff up. That's just I think you told Brent to bring people up to speed on the case. Yeah, well, yeah. if I told you to jump off the Golden Gate Bridge, you wouldn't do it. <laughs> yeah, I think you guys had a couple questions along the way here. People wanting to join law enforcement. I think yeah. you, uh, actually, in the last couple of months. Actually, before we do Way that, to keep it rolling, we, Ed. <laughs> Moving right along. Why don't we touch on bomb safety <laughs> and drinking? And Ed, Ed could probably take this one. <laughs> yeah, uh, Vegas officers are put on leave after Arizona joyride. Two Las Vegas police officers are under investigation after they were caught speeding in northern Arizona when they were supposed to be patrolling the streets of Sin City. That's what you don't do when you're a police officer. Oh, so you're saying that for the next, like, well, we have at least one question in here about becoming a cop and having a past drug history. That's uh-huh. uh, So you're saying you shouldn't speed either? Yeah, then don't start smoking marijuana after you become a police officer because this may happen to you. Yeah. Okay. Apparently, While you're speeding. Is that just in Vegas or is that kind no, of universal? They were 100 miles away from Vegas in Kingman, Arizona, when a Mojave County deputy spotted the Vegas patrol car and thought something was suspicious. Did they say that they were chasing somebody? I, they were awful long ways. Our dispatch wasn't away. Yeah, the, the showgirl's hats out wait, wait. the rear windows of the car kind of gave it away. You know, the, the reason I ask, the reason I ask is because at times when Jim worked in a contract city, he would get into a pursuit and ignore his supervisor's request to terminate and end up um, 50 miles away in a pursuit in another city. It was bad radio reception and <laughs> wasn't it far away. Sorry about the sound. I can't hear you say terminate now. <laughs> so, so those damn Motorola's. <laughs> oh yeah, it's the radio's fault. Oh, but they fund this show. Uh, no, the radios have gotten much better. Motorola is just an industry leader in uh, radio communications. <laughs> so anyway, so can we was, can we get on with the first question here or what? That was about the uh, past history to become a cop. So, yeah, I can just read the question if you want to make it easier. Might be easier. Okay. So, uh, I live in California, and I understand that most agencies require a polygraph test before you get hired. The question is, is he's 22, 
has uh, used marijuana a few times in the past month or two. Uh, maybe for the last two years, once a month, he says. So, uh, well, he gives a bunch of excuses as to how much he actually uses. That's fine. And then it says, because I want to start the academy, which doesn't begin for another eight months. And the course is 10 months long. So he will have been clean for 18 months. <laughs> is there any way that he can get hired or is he just wasting his time? He would appreciate any insight. <laughs> I must have missed something. Didn't you say a couple months ago? Uh, it said, I'll just, well, let's see here. So it says. question again. It's only an hour show. Yeah. Oh, no problem. Uh, happy Actually, to, happy to help you out, buddy. So Ed my question is, he's 20. Just, can age. you just be quiet? No, Ed was a felon at the age of 10. <laughs> And he got hey, I can answer that real easily. This is not I about it. It was, as a matter of fact, but I'm going to tell you how. <laughs> hey, Mark, this is why Dad liked me best. Go ahead, Brent. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Penny boy. Oh, a penny for all right. Your so, okay, you ready? Go. Everybody ready? Okay. So, he used marijuana a few months at a time for the past two years, which means he smoked marijuana for two years. So. Yeah, we all got the question except for Jim. So let's just go on with the answer. Okay, so dude smoke pot wants to go in the academy, wants to try to go get hired, yes or no? Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. march right into the police chief. Show him your uh, medicinal uh, purposes card there of why you uh, take marijuana for uh, your injury or your illness, and uh, you should be good to go. Well, and my, my suggestion is buy that paperback book that I did, How to Beat a Polygraph. Uh, good good looking truth, out, Ed. The truth comes <laughs> out. They don't make your pension retroactive, Ed. Or, uh, <laughs> no, honest to God, I really did read that when I was working narcotics. The, the bottom line is honesty. It, if you haven't smoked in a couple of years and you're totally honest on your polygraph, um, you, you shouldn't have a problem. A lot, a lot of agencies will consider that life experience, and as long as it's not recent and you're not lying about it, marijuana prior use shouldn't be a problem. Yeah, 20, 22 years of age is a, is a pretty young age, and it's just out of the college time. And, I mean, agencies take that into consideration. But, dude, if you're smoking, like, up to a month before you fill out the application saying, oh, yeah, now I want to be a cop, that ain't going to fly. They're going to want to look at probably 18 months to three years of, of non-use, and you're going to have to support that with the, the drug test, the medical test, and the polygraph. So you got to make some decisions on, as far as what you really want. If it's been 18 months or, or longer, then you're probably good to go as long as it was just for uh, personal use and here and there. Or what was the key word when I got hired? Experimental use. But uh, anything other than that or any type of sales or, or possession charges or anything, you're, you're, you might want to. Well, I don't Start know. It depends on the department. There was a guy in my academy that actually admitted selling some different types of drugs, and they ended up hiring him because he was so honest. I mean, it, it all depends on the agency. I mean, if you're convicted so, of a felony, if you were convicted of sales or something, then no, if it's on your record. But it, each department's different. And as long as you're totally honest, I mean, you can't go in there with a list of felonies you commit and expect them to forgive it but if your record's clean you're totally honest and it's all been a while back in your past um you know some departments may give you a second look at while others may not well let's not forget the most important thing is is that there's other people that you're in competition with 
when you go into these testing environments and when you go to your oral boards and those types of things. And I can tell you, if if Ed and I were going to try to get hired and I'm a pot smoking dope head and he's perfectly clean with a perfect record, I'm not going to get the job. (laughs) <laughs> well, Brent, I don't know how that's uh, I don't know how that's going to work, Brent, because uh, I could see an oral board between Ed and and Mark, and and I could hear him saying, you know, I just, you know, that guy's too green, Mark. He's just he hasn't done anything. He's like a little school kid, but you know, Ed's done all these drugs and been a dealer and been arrested, and he knows he knows the we're gonna, system. We're going to send him straight to narcotics. Yeah, we could use him as undercover. He'd be awesome, you know, but Mark, he's just so boring and so you know, okay. Now, now that, that falls guy. back on my brother was selling heroin when I was a teenager, and I had what to call him up sergeant? a couple times. <laughs> yeah, I, I had to call him for advice, and I went undercover. I go, "Hey, what, what do you what do you look for for narcs?" And you go, first off, if your fingernails look clean, that's a dead giveaway. You're a cop. If you're a user, your hands are all tore up and everything else. So you used to give me a lot of good pointers. Have but... you seen Mark's hands? Yeah, they, they didn't see the Seriously, have you seen Mark's head. hands? <laughs> you know, this show has been Baby a Baby butt time, smooth. Huh? Yeah. You know, it, it's kind of funny you make the funny example out of it because I was going to say that. Some departments prefer to get somebody that has a little life experience to them versus somebody that grew up in a... Yeah, what's the uh, limit? 12 years? How many years uh, can you do in prison before you... You're experienced. <laughs> is there is there a, a timeline? Never mind the point I was trying to make. No, we're we're going to take the guy that only did ten years for uh, for murder. The guy with twelve years is just it's too recent. <laughs> I love so, you, Mark. You know that I haven't been able to cap on you like this for what? How many weeks? Oh, now he's going to play the. Yeah, I, I dropped the soap. <laughs> <laughs> I think I turned my microphone off. Um, so basically, this guy needs to clean up his act and then go back, or and then go and try to get hired and potentially not be disappointed if he's turned down by every department. It's going to take a little while. In my opinion, marijuana—he's not going to get turned down for occasional marijuana use. Um, so a lot of departments are going to consider that just life experience. As long as he's got at least two years um, non-use. And he's straight up in his polygraph. He shouldn't. He shouldn't uh, have a problem. Yeah, but the uh, key I think word, he, he, the key word in what Mark said is occasional. He'll need to have a good reason why he was smoking weed up until two years ago, and then he quit because he wanted to become a cop. What was, was the reason for wanting to get high on weed all the time? Yeah. My excuse: I was I was experimenting in high school, and that was the last time I did it. I didn't like the high because it made me eat potato chips all night. <laughs> That's a terrible side effect. Uh, I laugh all night long. Arrested with a hooker. I wanted to be a police officer. <laughs> Actually, we did get stopped one time in the tenderloin when I was 16. Nice. So that's another story, when Jim too. mentioned Hooker or brought it back memories, I read. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, in fact, we wound up at the station with this ding-dong who was trying to pick one up, and uh, they, they cut us loose, of course. But uh, he was down there. We got an argument over her, of all things. Oh, God. So, Dude, yeah. when we were kids, I, Mark and I, I raced I, motocross, and we had a friend of ours. We, you know, we'd, we'd want to, like, eat right and, and get plenty of sleep the night before a race. And we listened to this friggin' idiot who would talk us into jumping in my van. Do you remember this, Mark? We'd go down to Oakland to MacArthur Boulevard. <laughs> oh, God. Mark, do you remember that? We were looking for hookers. <laughs> Dude, you were down you International what? Boulevard looking for hookers? On MacArthur <laughs> Boulevard. I'm lucky oh Jim my didn't God. get his car jacked and shot. Three little <laughs> white kids 
Three little white kids cruising before a big race over <laughs> MacArthur Boulevard at one in the morning. Oh, I gotta tell you what, man. Some of them were were crazy to talk to. They they just thought we were friggin' nuts. But they were they were. Some of them were pretty interesting. <laughs> yeah, Jim had a fetish to go talk to hookers, and it just lasted his entire life. I'm pretty sure, like on show six or seven, he was dating one. <laughs> Pretty Remember sure on that? show nine, I married one. Oh, that's right. <laughs> Randy? Randy. Uh, it's thinking about the ex-wife probably, too. All right, question two. All right, question two deals with metering lights and cameras, which are, this is kind of actually an interesting topic. So, basically, uh... Deborah wrote in, said, are you aware whether the freeway on-ramp metering lights in California have cameras to take flash pictures of your car if you accidentally run the metering lights? I don't believe I've ever seen information posted anywhere, but she swears she saw the flash happen when they were driving by and apparently running the red light. Ma'am, don't worry about the camera built into the stoplight. Worry about the camera and the satellite millions of miles over your head, tracking your every move and all your cell phone usage. <laughs> no, that's the one that you should worry about. <laughs> God. Oh, that's right. I so I don't, don't, I don't know if, I mean. They have cameras at those. They have them at intersections, and it's usually posted. Normally, if there's a camera, it, it's got to be posted. Uh-huh. It might have been a reflection off a sign somewhere or, or something, but I've never seen the cameras on the uh, red lights on the on the on ramps. Yeah, I know where she she told me where this actually happened. I haven't gone by there because I haven't been down in, in that area yet. But if I go by there, I'll take a look. I mean, I may be wrong, but I don't think they have them there. Well, I, I can tell you, I can. White lights are, are timing uh, timing lights. Yeah, the other issue though is is with bridges. Every bridge that has fast track has cameras. Right. Because the only way that they can grab your license plate information is so if you drive under there and that little fast track box beeps. Dude, that we went over gotta, we went over the Antioch Bridge no, code three. When it's good. We went over the Antioch Bridge code three to cover uh, Solano County just on the other side of the bridge and they send yep. us a freaking notice Ticket. with with uh <laughs> with our front license plate of the vehicle with a big old E on it for exempt. And, uh, you know, you'd think they just void that out or whatever, but they sent us a notice asking us for, for five bucks. Are you sure Which you in turn we to forwarded to, uh, Solano County. Yeah. Are you sure you weren't going over to Solano County to talk to hookers? <laughs> Code three, apparently. Seriously? Seriously, Mark? Really? That's the best you got? All right, so, next question. Where so the we... way around that is just never put plates on your car. So the uh, all right. So the third. Well, question. You, you know they have license plate kits now with little uh, buttons you push that lowers your license plate down when you come yeah. up to camera intersections. Yeah, you see, Ed, those are illegal. Oh, are they? Oh, yeah. I, I didn't know that. I thought it was a pretty clever idea. Yeah, that's that's but called tampering for, uh, with your license CBC plate. Yours work, Ed? So as not having a front plate. <laughs> well, we don't need front Ed? plates in Arizona. Mine works oh. real good. I just took a big long choke cable. When you pull the choke cable and it lowers the license plate down, you just go as fast as you want to go. <laughs> I have smoke screens and oil <laughs> yeah, I'm getting nervous. and lasers. Hey, what's up, Batman? Oh, good grief! No, I'm just kidding. I don't do that. <laughs> and Mark Robin, dude, you can't make up for all that by saying I'm just kidding. <laughs> No, actually, the kit, actually, the kit that I saw had a choke. You know, like the old style choke cables. Yep. 
and it had that from it went all the way to your license plate. You'd push it in, and would lower your license plate down when you go through the speed zones. <laughs> and if you stole another set of plates, you could just put those on there and flip around. That'd That's be cool. That's true. You know, I didn't even think of that. Listen, listen to your criminal mind go. Oh, but, don't uh... don't you worry. <laughs> Did this come out on your polygraph, Brent? Huh? Did this come out on your polygraph? Uh, boy, all sorts of stuff came out on my polygraph. You know, one of the biggest rules in that polygraph book was if they don't ask, don't tell. That is 100% true. Yeah, just keep your mouth shut. If they don't ask you, you... When you're you, doing your background package ahead of time, if they don't ask, don't tell there either. That's right. So the... Uh, okay, so third question on here is uh, about respect. So I guess nobody here can answer that. So uh, the... <laughs> I got nothing... <laughs> Sorry. So I'm 21 this year. Not me personally. I have attended university for two years. He's decided that he wanted to stop his associate's degree for the time being and join the local police department. The question is, do you get any respect as a young officer from fellow cops, from the civilians, from Ed? I personally could not care less whether or not some gangbanger gives me any respect, but he is concerned with people that he works with. Uh, do you have any tips? Anything would be appreciated. Just, I mean, this is a this is a pretty major life choice for this for this kid. So, I, I think that the answer I already gave you. Uh, don't ask, don't tell. <laughs> <laughs> the bottom line is you got to earn it. Yeah, basically, that, like everything else, you, you, you're not born with respect. You got to earn it. You know, well, I mean, I can I can go back to when what when I rode with you, Jim, back in the day, and it was uh, I had to earn respect. I didn't know you. No, I, I, still, I think I uh, still might need to earn it, dude. That's something that's evaluated whether it's uh, in high school and PE class on a football team or whatever. I mean, definitely you have to earn it. And uh, in law enforcement, it's no different than anywhere else. And not only are you going to earn the respect of the guys you work with, uh, you're going to earn the respect of the people on the street. And and one thing that makes me proud is, you know, when I worked in the jail, we'd have 90 inmates, and, and uh, you'd be in there alone, you know, keeping the peace and making sure they were all doing what they were supposed to do. And they all told me, you know, Lambert, you know, sometimes you're an ass about things, but you're, you're firm and you're fair, and we respect you for being fair. And, uh, you know, it, it's... No different than on the street. Mark's had guys come up to him and say, you know what, Lambert, I respect you. And it makes your job a hundred times easier as a cop on the street when people respect you. But it's something you got to earn. You're not just going to get it putting a uniform on with a badge, you know, especially know in guy, this day and age. The yeah. guy in the question said, I really couldn't care less about the gangbanger. You know, you really need to because your ass could be on the line one day getting your ass kicked, and this gangbanger may be the one that helps, you know, pull somebody off of you. I, I've always gone through my career trying to treat people with respect. If they don't want to be treated with respect, I could turn into an asshole. But I give everyone the opportunity to be treated with respect. I'll never forget one time I took somebody to jail on Christmas Eve. And he was going to be doing some serious time. And we pulled into the Sally Port of the jail. He goes, hey, Lambert, thank you. And I thought he was being sarcastic. I go, for what? He goes, I just want to thank you. I go, Thank me for taking you to jail on Christmas Eve, and you're going to do several years. He goes, I want to try. He goes, I want to thank you for treating me with respect. He goes, you treated me with respect. The only thing I have left in my life is self-respect, and if you tried to take that away, I would have fought you to the end. He goes, but I want to thank you, and I, I take a lot of pride in that. Where you treat people with respect, you're going to get respect back. You're going to be 
not only gain the respect of the, your other officers, but the people on the street, you're going to be, they're going to be more willing to talk to you, to give you information, and uh, it'll just make things a lot easier. So yeah, work smarter, not harder. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah. Well, it's like it's like the market. There's still a guy uh, where you worked at. Uh, to this day, I, I was in awe of him when I first started. He used to have the names of of crooks on the street. He knew their brothers. He knew their sisters. He knew their mothers. He knew where they hung out. He knew more about the crook on the street than the crook knew about himself. He'd walk up to him and start telling them things the guy didn't even know. They'd be like, they wouldn't even bother running from him because they already knew where, where to go. Yeah, but, yeah, I'll just go. I'll go to your house and your mom's house. Yeah, exactly. And he, he knew them all by heart, like like it was part of one big happy family. And the, and the crooks on the street go, you know what? We ain't gonna be bothered running from this dude because we know he'll chase us until he catches us. There's no. And then sense he's gonna tell my mom. Yeah, exactly. Or my or my yeah, my auntie or something or whatever. Oh, man, but, but that the guy makes a was big uh, difference between does. being able to walk up to somebody on the street and just start talking to them and getting some you know decent conversation versus somebody just telling you to f off and you know, and walking away from you. Yep. But uh, that's yeah, a, I mean, that, I mean, that's there's going to be whole... people like that anyway. But if if you really treat people with respect, you know, a lot of these people, that's all they have is their self-respect. And if you treat them with respect, they're they're going to you know appreciate that and treat you with respect back. That's that that I think is a that's a career. You know, that's how you should do the whole career. Yeah. It's a life issue, but I mean, for for this guy, I mean. I would say that, uh, I don't know, my suggestion would be is uh, don't go join your local police department. Get your degree. Yeah, that's uh, that, I second that because it would be hella, hella hard once you get start working law enforcement to go back to school because you're going to be overtime, you're going to be doing this and that and training, and you ain't going to have time for school. You want to get that degree now, so later on when you test for a sergeant, you've already got it in your back pocket. Yep. Also, he's 20, he's 21. There's extra pay involved uh, with degrees, so yeah, get your degree first, and then and then get into law enforcement. You're, you're, the right. dude's 21; he's got plenty of time. Oh, absolutely. So, all right. So the the fourth question. <laughs> this should be interesting. Um, do you, this is uh, asked by Dakota? Um, do you think the drinking age should be lowered? Why or why not? I think it should be lowered to nine. Nine. <laughs> I think the marriage age too. That should go down too. Well, if you're in a certain religion, that's about nine years old anyway. Oh my! So I'm not so, going to what so Jim, religion it is. So so Jim, if you feel that it should go down to nine, I'm I'm going to ask you why. It just seemed like the thing to say at the time. <laughs> Because, I mean, in some cultures, in other countries, you can drink when you're nine, no problem. Yeah, yeah. yeah well, well, if we look at all the retards that get into friggin' major ooh. problems being 21. Dude, I didn't say out. the R word. I said something that was in a nationally uh, produced movie. So if you don't like that, <laughs> then I'm sorry. That's an R-tard, you. Never. Mind. That's what I said. I said retard. <laughs> That's like a retread. <laughs> okay, so let's call them retreads. So did all these retreads. Did anyone not hear me say retard? <laughs> okay, so so moving right along, Mister, I want nine-year-olds to drink. What um, what do you think? What's your? Opinion? I'm thinking we've got such a major problem now with people under the age of 21 already drinking and getting into havoc. Why friggin' lower the age and make it easier and and uh, making things twice as accessible? All right, Mark. 
Well, I mean, if you look around at the schools, there there's kids already drinking at 12, 13, 14. You know, it, it's always been kind of a battle where someone says, okay, kids turn 18, they're old enough to get into the military, you know, and go fight in a war, and yet they're not old enough to drink. Right. So people say, make it 18. And, you know, some states are lower than, than others, and it's got to be across the board. You can't have some states one age, other states another age, and... I mean, it, it, it is kind of a toss-up. If someone's old enough, consider it an adult at 18 and go to war. Um, I don't know. Maybe they will just let them drink in the military at that age, but, but not in the general public. Because like Jim says, it is going to cause some more problems uh, allowing them to drink at age 18. Do we know what the drinking rules are in the military currently? I thought it was no drinking. I don't know. Ed, you got a kid in the military. What is it? Uh, well, he was getting drunk as a skunk from 18 on, I can tell you that much. No, we said yeah, they were. Not what he was so, doing, yeah, they what party. the rules were. So what you're telling me is that it's Not illegal battle. in the military. <laughs> More than likely, yeah. <laughs> hey, dude, throw me a beer! <laughs> Actually, I, I don't know that I don't know that answer. Maybe I'll do some looking into that. But, I mean, okay, Ed. What? Yes. Ed? Lower? I'd say lower for the military and uh, 21 uh, for for general population because the, the guys in the military are already putting putting it all on the line. I don't see why we can't let them have a few beers when they're on leave on the weekends. Uh, as far as the general population goes, they've proven themselves as uh, a bunch of goofballs at 18 to be drinking. Retards. Don't have the uh, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> un, un, unfortunately, it only takes nowadays if you know, if, if if two screw up, then the other five million are at fault also. Right. That's just the way our society has gotten. So I say 18 for the military and 21 for everybody else. Yeah, and then all the 18-year-old guys in the military can buy for all their friends when they're home on leave. Right, right. <laughs> I'm just trying to be the <laughs> Well, Brent, what's your take? Uh, I don't I'm drink. Gonna, I'm going to go grab a beer. I'll be right back. <laughs> I'll be right back. Yeah, I, I, well, I, I mean, I don't drink, so... It, I could care less. I mean, as far as me dealing with drunk idiots, yeah, I've been to enough teenage parties that there shouldn't be drinking there. So, I mean, I, I worked in a city where the sergeant absolutely loved teenage parties and would make it a SWAT episode, you know, to go in the place. And it was one thing after another, and there's everybody in there from, you know, 15 to 20, you know, just drinking it up and hooping and hollering and, and nothing came, nothing ever good came of those, right, Jim? No, it happens all the time. Oh, I mean, he did I, leave I, to get a beer. I work closely with the junior highs, and it just there's drinking going on like crazy at the young age. Well, I mean, you I deal, mean, don't you deal with that drinking. all the time, Mark? Anybody? Yeah. No, it's true, and especially you know with all the social networking, you know, you tap into the the kids' Facebook. Uh, pages or or whatnot and it just there's nothing but pictures of them you know smoking pot and drinking beer and the the parents say oh not my child and then you show right. them the pictures and they're just shocked and so there there's a lot of partying going on with you know marijuana if you go online now there's several other types of they call it um herbs now that are sold legally they get, they're very dangerous because they're synthetic, but they're legal because the uh, the legal system hasn't caught up to them yet. So you could buy them on, on the Internet from all these places, and the kids are smoking them. They're getting high. They're getting sick. 
And uh, it's just amazing the, the drug use and the alcohol use by the young kids of today. Well, yeah, it's, it's got to be pretty depressing now to be working the schools and seeing what these kids are into. The worst thing back in the day used to be, uh, oh, try and keep your kid from going to the corner store and spotting a you know a sixteen ounce beer. Now, hell, they're uh, spray cans of uh, Lysol and all kinds of stuff. They're snorting, smoking, and frying brain cells and winding up in the ERs and all kinds of stuff. The trouble is because they don't fear the punishment. Back when the parents were able to have an iron fist and and rule their kids and, you know, put out some punishment, the kids feared the punishment. Now they don't fear anything. You know, you touch me and I'll call the police. And they're, you know, you see it in the junior highs where the kids are telling their parents to F off. And it just, I'm thinking, man, if I did that when I was young, I wouldn't have been able to talk for talk or walk for probably a week. But um, I'll tell you, if I had a kid and they did that to me, they wouldn't be able to talk or walk for a week. Yeah, you'd be down to Martinez, too. Yeah, yeah I don't care. In, yeah, we're in California where you'd be in jail. and your Then I'd drive to Nevada and beat them and then take them back. <laughs> your, your kid would be having parties in your house while you're in jail. Yeah, right. He'd, uh, yeah, he'd have something, all right. Hey, Jim, so did Jim ever come back? Nope. He must have found, a, he must have found a, somebody there with a beer, too. His yeah, guy must something. have chewed up something else in his house. He's got a what's, little... What's uh, the, what was the hooker's name that he was dating? <laughs> so <laughs> maybe he tripped over his connection again. That's what that's what his excuse was last week. <laughs> I don't think it was tripped. <laughs> so Snap. what other questions you got there? Uh, we're done with questions, but the thing that Mark wanted, uh, that you hit on in that article was about burglaries. And I guess they're... Out of control. Yeah. You know, we've mentioned this so many times. Um, the crooks are opportunists. That's what they do. That's their living. They they go out in the middle of the night. And most people, they law-abiding people, they work their job during the day. They go home. They cook dinner. They watch a little TV. They go to sleep. They wake up in the morning and go back to work. And the crooks come out after dark. And they just go through neighborhoods. They they look in cars. They look for anything. And while something may not be of value to you, to a crook, if he sees an empty bag or some kind of a bag in the back, he's going to think, hey, there's a laptop or something in there. They're going to break in. Car burglaries are off the hook everywhere. Not a day goes by where I don't hear at least three, four, or five calls come out first thing in the morning for, for car burglaries. And it just it's very simple. Um, lock your car. Don't leave anything of value in it. If people walk by, they look inside, they don't see anything, they're going to go on to the next car. If they see something of value or something that could be of value, they're going to break in. And I, I put in the story that I wrote, the classic example. I went out in the morning to go to work. There was a classic wipe right in the middle of my window where somebody had wiped all the frost off it to look inside to see if there was something in there. And they were in the neighborhood. And you're that not was immune. Me. Yeah. You're not immune no matter where you live. I don't care if you're in a gated community. Oh, or... here we go. <laughs> I said it faster. I think it was That's his good. wife checking to see if he fell asleep in the car from drinking too much beer again. <laughs> uh... <laughs> well, you know, the other thing, too, is that when I first started back at the PD, we used to have to go out there as patrolmen or and patrol people, if you want to call it that. And you'd have to process the car as, as a felony burglary if they broke the window and stole anything out, out of the inside. Several years later, um, 
we start, we adopted the FBI statistics, which changed the value of the crime from a felony right across the board to a petty theft from a vehicle if it was under 400 or a grand theft from a vehicle was over 400. It no longer was uh, a $50 piece stolen off your, your front seat with a broken window considered a felony uh, auto burglary. Yeah, and did you so, see how crime was down that year in the cities? Oh, yeah. Well, well, what happened was all of a sudden the felonies, and we even bragged for months about it, too, was, oh, or felonies are down. Well, they really weren't down. They reclassified them as misdemeanors. Exactly. <laughs> all like, they did is like, okay. classify it. It's, 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 it's an FBI. Yeah. Hey, look it's at this. FBI Murders are down, but unexplained deaths are up. <laughs> <laughs> Subcirks. They're called well, subcirks. Yeah. Homicides have been reclassified to a certain degree because they, they don't consider law enforcement uh, uh, at, at the hands of law enforcement a, a, a murder because it was done in the line of duty. So that's Where actually taking some of them down, too. Two people shoot each other, and it's like a mutual type thing. They'll write it up as a subcirc, possible ADW. I'm thinking, okay, yeah. two people have bullet holes in them. That's an ADW. But because of the circumstances, they'll classify it as a subcirc. And if it's classified as a subcirc, the stat doesn't count as an assault with a deadly weapon. See, to so, me, that sounds like something that can only happen in friggin' Arizona. Uh, <laughs> well, no, here, I'll, I'll tell you. People uh, coming home with bullet holes in them. <laughs> a prime example of this was up in, uh, in the west side of uh, the town I used to work in was unincorporated. A sheriff's deputy was there, and so was I, and it was blatantly obvious somebody had taken a crowbar and pried on this guy's front door. He just set up a big dragnet trying to find the, the alleged attempted burglar. And the uh, sergeant for that particular agency told that deputy, he said, okay, hey, this is a suspicious circumstance, a, a, a possible attempted break-in. I mean, even Stevie Wonder could have saw <laughs> that this guy took a crowbar and tried to bust the knob off the house. What was he breaking the knob off the house for, to put it on his own house? Did I you mean, say how that? Could, how could Stevie Wonder have seen that? <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I, I mean, him and that other guy. That's the point. <laughs> but yeah. in, in, long and short, oh. it was. It was at that point I realized that the statistically crime is just completely being covered up by, by agencies trying to make it look like they're doing a good job. And when I'm drinking creative. tonight, he was able to say statistically. <laughs> <laughs> statistically speaking, I told that guy, are you blind? I just want to I just want to know if you told the Sarge that. <laughs> I, I felt like it, but, you know. It, Stevie I just, Wonder could have seen that. Now, I was able Ed, to get off really three hours you. on the dragnet. This is coming from Ed. We, we used to have case numbers, and we used to have incident numbers. <laughs> case, numbers mean, <laughs> case numbers mean that you actually write a case on it and write paper on it and take a report. Incident numbers is when you basically <laughs> kiss it off and hand somebody an incident number. And you are so in trouble, it. dude. Yeah. Well, no, 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 no. Ed, Ed, was like the, was... Ed was like the candy man of incident numbers. So well, I'm really surprised. Computer-generated number by dispatch. It's just a call had an incident number attached to it, you know. And people wanted the number, so I give it to them. <laughs> Here, here's the big number: ninety-three dash oh five six seven four one. They feel like they got something, so I'm like, so oh, then they here come you back go. Two months later, for their insurance company, they want to report, and and they give them the incident number, and they go, there's there's nothing on file with this. It just shows that you called in. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, geez, you're giving me up, Mark, for crying out loud. Ed, did you really say police person a little while ago to be politically correct? You know what? I really don't know what they call them anymore. It used to be policeman or police person or police something or other. But if you say policeman, you're insulting the policewoman. And it's like, you know what? 
we're not looking at your anatomy for crying out loud in uniform. You would got you a badge and a gun. Would you actually put down everything? No, but I mean, honestly, I, I get lost in all, all this nonsense sometimes. That's why you're retired. I know. Thank God. Retread. Yeah. <laughs> Retread. Then I inside the station writing reports the rest of my life. <laughs> all right, well, we're out of questions and thankfully out of time. <laughs> but uh, I guess what we'll do is uh, we'll actually try to make this show uh, happen on a weekly basis again, even though, I don't know, Jim will come up with some excuse not to be here. So if we got anything out of tonight, it's that Mark likes to look at Ed's anatomy. There we go. <laughs> I'm just saying. In, u- in uniform, apparently. Oh, jeez. <laughs> well, we got to give the truth about why we couldn't have a show last week, because Jim looked at so many inappropriate websites that his computer got all whacked out of whack. Research. Uh, research. <laughs> right, right. You can continue uh, yeah, life, that theory life there, buddy. Experience. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. Well, the virus list will tell you that. Well, anyway, hey guys, it's good to be back. It's good to laugh again after everything uh, Jim and I went through the last few months. It's good to be laughing and back on the uh, show, and hopefully, we'll be able to keep this up. Yeah, Mark made Dad laugh right up to the end without even having to say anything. I was talking about <laughs> you to Dad. I was laughing. That's terrible. <laughs> Probably laughing right now. You took the words right out of my mouth. <laughs> count those pennies yet? Uh, you know, on a serious note, I, I I got nothing but love for Mark and and his whole family that that were there. And you know, family's the, the name of the game. And there is so much. You know, I think one thing, uh, one reason why death is so um, unexpected, or or you really don't know what to do at the time when it happens to someone you love, is that. It's not something you really look forward to handling. But uh, it's not something they teach you in high school. But, my God, there are so many legal uh, ramifications with driver's licenses, with insurance, with policies, with Social Security, with everything. You know, Pensions, it's, you name it. Pensions. You, you know, and it, it's traumatic enough as it is. But when you're, un- you know, not ready for it or unprepared, it makes it. 50 times more painful than than uh, what it would be but um you know it's something to look into uh make sure that you have a will or or a living trust and that you've consulted with an attorney or researched online you know what should happen as far as uh funeral arrangements everything else it's it's an experience uh i wish i never had to go through but mark uh i love you for making it uh a lot a lot easier well, I appreciate it, Jim, and you stepped up to the plate, too. I was really, really impressed, uh, but that's what family does. And like Jim says, you know, even if your parents are still alive, check their living trust because we found out oh. my parents' living trust hadn't been updated in like 20 or 30 years, and they're actually deceased relatives on there as beneficiaries. I mean, just make sure everything's up to date. Have a talk with your family. Get everything up to date because it sure saves a big headache in the end. Yeah, you know, it's not a talk you have to wait to have, you know, until the end either. I mean, my dad was very good when he knew that that he was on kind of a one-way trip. You know, we had a family meeting and discussed what what he wanted and and what needed to be done. But it doesn't have to be something that you have to wait for. I mean, my God, you know, at least we had a chance to say goodbye to dad. But, you know, there's, there's car accidents, there's electrocutions, there's fires, there's natural disasters. There's a lot, so many incidents where you don't get a chance to say goodbye 
or that you love you know someone that's dear to you but have those talks ahead of time there's nothing wrong with having them and and you'll be more prepared and even if yeah, you're I mean, young, I, even if you're in your 20s i mean people think they're invincible even if you're in your 20s think about it is your family or everything that you own going to be taken care of if you went out and got in a car accident today i mean it just it's really something that in, until it hits you and you have to deal with it you don't think about it and, yeah, and, and it in this in this day to deal with it well, in this day and age of everything being online, having access to everything, dealing with everything that you have to, you really have to be on top of stuff because yeah. you, you won't have access to bank accounts. You won't have access to anything. Last time I mentioned uh, myself kicking the bucket in front of all my kids, all they were worried about was who, who was getting what AR-15, who was getting what AK-7. <laughs> I'm like, you bunch of turds. What kind of kids are you? Well, Dad, apparently, I'm a barrel H-bar, you know. You apparently, you none of you are getting any of them. <laughs> what are you leaving me? Yeah. I'll, I'll give you the Glock 45. <laughs> No, I like, what, they you, all started laughing, though, but, you know. Can you produce some kind of list so we can take a pick? Yeah, no, negative right. ghostwriter. <laughs> <laughs> well, on that all note, right. everybody stay safe, be prepared, and uh, take Watch out for each other. Yeah. Especially Jim. And uh, and we'll see you next week. All right, guys. It was good. Yeah. Later. Take care. Take care.